I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glass 8 Film Club podcast and not just another episode, a new series, yes, here we are, we're back after a short break, we had a great time in the summer season, lots of great reviews, a lot of fantastic interviews, great conversations, but we didn't want to wait too long, we don't want to keep you waiting and we're itching to talk about films, of course we are, so we're back right away with another review for you and of course it wouldn't be the same if it was just me my good friend, film connoisseur and lover of all things wonderful in the world, it's Callum. How are you doing today, Callum? Are you excited for another series, another big stint of film reviewing? Always, obviously. Always excited, yeah. How's, how's Again, that's, that's that sounded very sarcastic, but it, 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 it's not. <laughs> I, I, can see, I can see you there. I'll pass on that you're not being sarcastic. Maybe I can do some uh, audio subtitles uh, or notes afterwards to tell people when you are being or not being sarcastic. Yeah, well, I think that would that might help. Although it has been, <laughs> it has been said that sometimes people can't decide whether I'm being serious or not. Um, but no, I'm good. Yeah, what have I been up to? What have I been up to? Um Lots of things. We've well, had a full uh, run of summer, haven't you? How's that been? Yeah, it's been fun. Um, when I've been away a couple of times, uh, did a bit of a European trip, as I've mentioned to every person that I've seen. Um, what's been What's been your highlights of your uh, teaching, non-teaching summer? Um, sitting on the sun, watching the sun go down. Wow, what oh, an answer. I know. What an answer. <laughs> it, it's just how I roll. It really is. They're the type of sound bites that the listeners absolutely want from Callum, and he's just delivered it. So thank you for that, Callum. I couldn't, I couldn't have thought of a better answer coming from you. Can somebody please get a nice um, Photoshop bit of work going of a nice artwork that's been like oil painted of you on, on the set? And I'd love to see that if anyone's handy on that front. <laughs> so would I. I mean,. I could do something nice to look at, like the- <laughs> instead of a blank wall. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you came down, didn't you, to London? We did a big, yep. a big booze yep. cruise, didn't we? Yeah, we had a lovely time of it recently. Took in some sights, not necessarily actively, but we did. <laughs> we did see a lot of areas. <laughs> we saw, of all, we, we saw a lot of nicely. Um, yeah. We saw what we believed was the set of Oppenheimer. If you go on our Instagram, you can see us trying to be funny with a little photo of that on there. And just had a blooming good time, as we always do. Obviously, it's great recording the podcast, kind of. We always dive into a film, but you can't beat just sat there all day in various pubs covering all sorts of world issues. And I think that we really did that from day-to-day chit-chat to the big questions. It was definitely all day, wasn't it? <laughs> it, it was all day. It lasted the, the day. Next day as well, really. <laughs> yeah, it lasted. It lasted the whole day and into the next day. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I went home for a bit as well. Um, I went back to Blackpool, um, which was nice. Uh, How did the nostalgia feel? Because we're big on nostalgia here. Yeah, good. I mean, it was interesting. I always associate Blackpool with sort of like adolescence in some respects. Because obviously, like, you grew up there and um, it's a place that whenever I go back, I always feel like I'm not necessarily a a regression, because that's a strong word. But, like, there is a sense of sort of adolescence whenever I go back, um, just because everything... 
everything that made me who I am was uh, happened in Blackpool. No, I'm joking. Um, well, sometimes it's nice to dip into nostalgia, isn't it? Remember, it is who it you is. are, where you're from, and play on the penny arcades as well which well, we did when i came and visited there i've been really following you around <laughs> this summer haven't i we had a lovely time on the the blackpool pier and the penny arcades having a little play around there and my favorite game of the one where you roll the balls and then the the plastic horses race in front of you sometimes it's camels sometimes it's horses absolute fiend when it comes to that game at the time of my life on that calendar so i can only thank you for introducing me into the blackpool scene of that game it was knights in shining armor that was who we raced yes um, it was. yeah the batman toy that we won um collectively um is now on the sh- on my mum's shelf um, and i'm very satisfied by that because after looking around your uh childhood Play area is probably not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> area of recreation. Um, I've seen a lovely model uh, train set, which was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And we spent quite a bit of time uh, just having a look and imagining the world that you created there as a as a child. It, I feel very privileged that I've now part contributed to the model and toy collection that's in that attic. There's a lot of contrasting um, things in that house, just generally. Like it's a it's a house of contrasts in the sense that when you have people from all different generations acquire different things, um, inevitably there's going to be some form of um uh disjoint disjointed housing stock, I suppose. There's just there's just <laughs> I couldn't way of putting it. There's just there's just a lot of there's just a lot of things in there that we wouldn't necessarily put in there together from a decorative or objet d'art perspective. Well, contrast is good. You don't want really, the good. boring continuum going on forever. You want things smashing together. Well, I read a, I read an article recently um, about Jarvis Cocker. It was a, quite an old article, but I don't know why I, it popped up um, again. But he was clearing out his basement. He's written a book about it, um, Good Pop, Bad Pop. And he was saying that when he was clearing out his basement, he found all this, all these belongings and objets d'art from like you know, his entire life, um, and he was trying to sort of compartmentalise it and think about, oh, where did this object come from? Why did I get that? Why is that with that? Just quite a nice, um, weird thing to do. And I'm glad you got to experience that, you know. Um, you know, from a, a portrait of Napoleon to the Communist Manifesto to the Koran and um, a bust of Beethoven. So... There's a lot of that's just those are just some examples right there. There's a few highlights. <laughs> yeah. well, I felt very grateful, and I feel like I know you even better now, Callum. So that's only uh, you, a positive. I mean, you think really? I I would have thought it would raise more questions. Like, why, does, why does he have all <laughs> oh, this? Crap? There's already plenty of questions in there. Just throw it in the mix. <laughs> but anyway, enough of nostalgia for for the time being. I'm sure there's always more nostalgia discussions to come. But we've got a film to review, Callum. We First do. episode back. We want to be sharp. We want to be on it. We've got a film, we've watched it, we've gotten back a few years to have a little dabble into this one, but what is the film, Callum? Can you tell us, tell the listeners and give us a little one of your classic overviews, please? It is the brilliant coming-of-age comedy drama um, written by Kelly Freeman Craig. Um, I don't know why I said it like that, Craig, Craig. (laughs) Kelly Freeman Craig, Um, Edge of Seventeen is the film. Um, I recommended it uh, just because we both love a good coming-of-age drama, particularly set in this context. Um, 
Filmed in 20, well, it wasn't filmed in 2016, it was released in 2016, and it follows the life of a 17-year-old Nadine Franklin, um, who basically is trying to figure out her image, who she wants to be, um, who it like, how does she want to present herself, like basically what every teenager on the, well, the end of teenagehood on the verge of adulthood um, thinks about, I suppose. Um, and it's slightly different because it's set in an American high school, so obviously... In in England, you go to college when you when you're seventeen, um, eighteen. But then, when you're in America, you spend you're in high school until you're eighteen. So there's like a real sort of like strange adolescent um, gap or an adolescent a crossover of adolescence and adulthood all in one area, one one moment, one place. Which I think is what the film's trying to allude to because everyone is like sort of trying to figure out their own their own. Um, way of, of feeling i suppose it basically follows her life her trying to figure out who she is her identity um and it focuses on her relationship with her brother her, her um mother her father as well um and she's basically trying to figure out i mean i'm trying to over intellectualize this but there really isn't that much to say other than the fact that she's trying to figure out who she is um and the story takes us in a in a route that an inevitable route that helps us understand who she is as well. One thing I would say is it's quite emotionally driven and it's character driven rather than plot driven. Um, there is a plot to it, and the plot is that she's trying to figure out who she is. But like the whole power of the movie is that like you are invested in the character's feelings and the character's consciousness and the character emotion um, in the film. Um, so that's what I would say about Edge of Seventeen. Um, that's it really lovely thank you very much <laughs> once again as always callum straight away what i realized after watching this film that it fell well into my wheelhouse of what i like and also was a strong version of what is in my wheelhouse of what i like of angsty coming of age self-exploration plot as you say not necessarily the most important aspect it's about the main characters exploration of themselves their identity their own thoughts and place in the world what one might describe as a classic coming of age but what i did like about this is that even though it does follow a lot of traditional plot points and a a story arc in the way that there is some kind of conflict point. The main conflict point in this is with her brother and her best friend because her best friend starts going out with her brother. That's the point of kind of the her real crisis of identity, but we see this is all set on the backdrop of her dad dying when she was 13, and we, we see that playing out in the film. But what I think it does do really well is it goes into that self-exploration uh, in good detail but in a very relatable way whereas I think a lot of films like this try and do too much for funny plots or novelty or some kind of extra unnecessary conflict it is quite a simple setup it goes through the plot quite uh, succinctly it's not overly done in any ways but it's all centered around her internal struggle her trying to find her place in the world and these big themes coming through it of her feeling like the outsider but also the anxiety that comes with that and those who are around her that she feels closest to 
her family and her best friend, they still feel more comfortable at playing life than she does. And I think that's one of the biggest things that the connection comes from with the audience. And obviously more people will relate with it than others will. But that's the point. It's not just this anxiety-driven film of, oh, look, I'm a teenager. I've got all these hormones running through me. Nobody likes me. Duh, 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 duh. It's even though she finds a friend when she's younger, she believes she's so close with and see the world in a similar way. She still believes her and also her brother are better at doing life than her. And I think that that's her constant struggle as she doesn't believe she belongs in the world in any meaningful way, even amongst people that she feels closest to. And I think that's the point this drills down on. And she tries to play that out whilst also adhering to social norms or whatever social construct she feels that she needs to adhere to to get on in the world. And I like that. It's simple, it's well executed, and it's pretty funny at times. It's it's witty. That's how I describe it. It's witty, especially the role of um, Woody Harrelson and the interaction as him as the teacher and, and then with his student. Those elements are quite funny, but they serve also to contribute to this main exploration. I don't think there's anything real wasted in the film. There's no waste in terms of plot or anything. It all contributes. There's one clear idea that goes in different directions, works really well, thoroughly enjoyed it. Callum, what were your first thoughts? Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree with you. I mean, I am. Um, it's more than just a coming of age, isn't it? It's like yeah. that sort of phrase, coming of age. I mean, does anyone really ever come of age? You know what I mean? Um but like it all of her identity sort of crises i suppose are compounded by her father's death in some respects it always comes back to that doesn't it like quite a lot throughout the mm-hmm. film her yeah. insecurities yeah. her anxieties her almost lack of direction which i suppose is why she um becomes quite close with um her teacher um i did see a bit of myself in woody harrelson <laughs> like the scene when he's um when he's eating his lunch and and she's kind of storms in and she's like um i've been i've been thinking about suicide i'm going to do this i'm going to do that and he just goes um i have 32 minutes a day to eat my lunch uninterrupted <laughs> like and it's just i just yeah it's just quite funny because yeah, like, it, this is the only bliss i get in my life yeah exactly yeah and it's just like but the thing is it's because he, they have that relationship, he can be like that, you know? Yeah, and as I say, witty. Very witty, those exchanges. Yes, well, I mean, levity is always an important sort of and powerful emotion um, in writing, particularly in film, for the, like on screen, like when you're trying to compound an idea that someone is lost. Because, like, levity, there's, like... <laughs> That type of levity there like adds to the understanding that they both have of one another. The fact that, like, you know, he obviously cares about her, about her well-being. Um, but and, like that, that his sort of way of dealing with that is to sort of like use, you know, emotion and use humor and use that levity to sort of break it down, which then adds another layer to the the characters. I think throughout this film, the characters, the writing allows the characters to evolve and develop, and that's why the film is character-driven, and that's why it's a really powerful piece of writing. Um, any good film allows you to understand, allows you to think about the characters in a way that this film does, 
I think is quite powerful. For me, that was the thing that really sort of struck that stood out for me. The um, just how emotionally driven um, the writing of the characters are. Um, yeah, yeah. Emotion that, plays a big part. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the whole spine of the film. It's the backbone of the film, and it seems like quite a you know a simple point to make. But actually, the way that it's done in this particular film is, I think, quite interesting because obviously. It's of it's a nice little setting. I mean, uh, setting something like setting in a school in this particular instance is always a an emotionally driven environment. You've always got a lot of things to play off there to develop character. But I think you know when you've got that juxtaposed with you know the death of her father and and you know her trying to figure out who she is. There's just there's just a lot there's a lot of um, interesting points to be made about her character and why it's like that. Um, and it's a sense of sort of being lost, but it's also a sense of... I think it comes from a sense of safety in some respects as well, because like she feels safe in the environment that she's in, particularly when she's with her teacher or around her teacher. Um, and again, that, that is sort of like that crippling emotion where you feel lost but safe at the same time. You feel safe being lost. It's a weird feeling. Um well, yeah, I absolutely see where you're going with that. And at this point, I want to bring in a film that we've reviewed previously on this podcast and is one of my all-time favourites, and that's Perks of Being a Wallflower. And I think there's a lot of parallels to be drawn between those two films in yeah. terms of, yes, the coming of age and the angsty elements of it, but I think what it really captures, and I think we talked about this a lot when reviewing Perks of Being a Wallflower, is the idea of the outsider and... In Perks of Being a Wallflower, that's very well expressed through the term wallflower. That's the focus of it. That is a great way of encapsulating it. And it's explored within that film without reviewing that film all over again. Uh, what, what it means to be this outsider looking for something more, a place in the world. But I think what this film really goes into well is this idea of how does someone who feels like an outsider express love and find connection because one of the things that she continuously longing for even though not necessarily expressing it all too well is connection and yes. obviously it is something that everyone longs for in whatever form it is and in the film I just really love that few lines I can't remember exactly what she says but when she talks about how when they were younger her brother was already better was already um so good at life and like so many people liked him and he was confident mm -hmm. and there's two people in life two types of people in life those who can just get on and do stuff because they feel confident and life's fantastic but those who laugh at those and think they're idiots but struggle to actually do things and get on in life and i think that's one of the main things of the lead character of nadine does she pronounce it or is it nadine nadine um so as her character, I think that that's one thing that she's really looking for and all comes down to that is this idea of the expression of love and connection. So whether this be how much the breakdown of a friendship with her best and only friend yeah. hits her so hard, it cripples her. And obviously we see that she's got um, deep-rooted elements of anxiety which seem to align with her mum as well and we see a few moments where she discussed that with her but also dealing with the grief of her father 
But then the relationship with the brothers so intense as well. And then when we look to the romantic elements in play, we've got the two guys involved there. The one who she sends the what ends up to be quite a smutty message to, and then they end up hooking up in his car. But then the thing that pushes her away is that actually this is what I internally thought I wanted or should do but what I really want is a deep connection and when she starts to push him towards that he's like well no you just said you wanted this that's not what I want and she actually realizes in that moment no it's it's connection that I want I don't want this what becomes quite an awkward and intimidating scene and then we've got then it does become a bit more of the classic nicey-nicey of it rounds off with the nice guy that you want her to be with, she does end up going after him. Lovely, that's fine. But as I said, plot isn't the main point here. The point through all of that is her own internal exploration and her figuring out through not just the out-and-out classic ways, but looking at how this weird, maybe toxic's too strong a, a word, but this confusing mix of emotions of longing for it connection trying to connect in a way that fits in society but grief and anxiety thrown on top of that that it's not going to come out in a pure and true way but yet from her perspective she thinks that other people in society can go at that and just float through life a lot better which comes to just a very small interaction in it and i think that sums up what the filmmakers may be trying to put as a perspective as when she speaks to her mum in the car and her mum says that Often when she's feeling down and anxious, she sits alone and just imagines um, other people and how they're all feeling as miserable as she is, but they're just better at hiding it than others. That's a classic breakfast club um, <laughs> line, really, isn't it? But it's something that cuts deep to these type of films and I think is, as we've discussed on other films about coming of age, that coming of age is not about just teenage emotions even though they're often set in u.s teenage environments it's actually coming of age is a lifelong pursuit and endeavor it basically means how you find your place in the world and connection with others rather than oh i'm now 18 i've figured myself out crack on which i think is one of the things that people often think coming of age is and bad coming of age films do that they steer more into that um american college high school of oh yeah i found this now like i'm anxious at high school but now i've figured myself out whereas films like this draw upon that but they go much further saying that no this is more a putting you on a a lifelong journey and figuring out yourself out in that way and they're a bit raw or more real and i think that gets it very right in this film of that idea of connection and how we express love rather than just angsty coming of age and funny things and awkward things happening that's what i think in compared to perks of being a wallflower even though i don't think it's quite as good a film but it does a lot of things similar to it very well yeah no i absolutely i mean i was just going to say as an add-on to that in the sense that the scene when they're in the car i think is absolutely necessary because what it does is that it doesn't just make the film a sort of um i mean i suppose it is quite linear in a way it's like you know she has emotion and then she tries to overcome that doesn't work and then she realizes that she what she really wanted was what the the what what has been there throughout the whole film i.e. the cartoonist dude who he goes she goes to one of his um you know screenings and stuff um but i think the 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 car scene is really really important because it highlights that this 
process of finding yourself and navigating the sinews of what you want is never nice. And it's the, that car scene is really, really horrible to watch, in my opinion. It's just a bit... It's it's horrible. Yeah. Um, it's meant to be like that. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's supposed to show that, th- that this process that is happening throughout this film isn't supposed to be nice. But then even at the end, when she goes to um, the film screening and she kind of like hangs out on the periphery of the group until she's invited in. And, you know, and then even, even there's, there's the, I think the implication there that even though, yeah, it's nice. She's with the guy that, well, she's not even with the guy. She's just, she's gone. She's having a conversation with a connection with someone that isn't an arse. That's not an arse. Um, I think even despite that, there's still things that she needs to figure out. It's not. An, it's not. A, it's not a. It doesn't. The film doesn't end yeah. at the end of the film. If that makes sense. Yes. Yes. The, the that, and that's a very yeah. good observation. I think that's a real win of it. Definitely. Yeah. That, that, no. That, that. Yeah. Exactly. I think for me that is the win of it. Um, yeah. It's just. It's great in it. It's good. Fun. With all the good characters, um, and I think her family dynamics are very fascinating. One because each of those three, and this comes together at the end in a big crescendo, really, and we've got the conversation between her and her brother on the landing late at night, then also we've got the quite nice scene of the text exchange whilst between her mum and and her when she's in the cinema. Always, obviously always nice to see a cinema in a film. So <laughs> uh, always satisfying. Um, but that works nicely as a device, but what becomes clear at the end is that all three of those characters are finding out how to like express their own well not express interpret their own that's internal emotion that's a really good point yeah so it's not just about expression because it starts off with those three are put in boxes her brother is like the jock who really fancies himself finds life easy Nadine's got these uh feels like she's got a few deep-seated issues but she rejects the world mm. and overreacts is what's kind of put on her and then her mum seems to be placed in this box where she's going out with this dentist and she seems manipulate manipulative no she's not manipulative she's been manipulated um and she seems a little bit you know not got much to her and after her, uh, her husband's died you know she's going out she's kind of dolled up and she's put in this image of she's not necessarily got much depth to her so they're the three boxes that they put in but by the end of it what we realize is obviously they're all dealing with one same life trauma uh, whereas they've got their other anxieties to deal with we realize that they're all just trying to interpret their own emotions and they play out in different ways and when those external barriers get knocked down and they have the true conversations or realizations of each other they realize you know what we are all struggling with something or exploring something or interpreting our own emotions in similar ways they just come out differently and that is quite a nice conversation on the landing at the end of the night between her and her brother where he um when they express that to each other after he's had that speech on the doorstep uh, Woody Harrelson's house, which is good. Again, that works because what it does is it takes a classic trope of this type of film where you think he's going to storm in the house in a big argument, but he stops at the door and makes a very 
I mean, he has a speech. He's got a monologue to her, which is concise, but heartfelt, and then leaves. And that works so nicely. At that point, the conflict's kind of got onto its peak, and then we come into the resolution. It's belie- it it's works believable. really well. And I think what's done there is the barrier's been smashed down from those main characters, and then we, we go to their true selves. And that's what I think it's really looking for. It's like how we act out our internal insecurities and then how we try to then interpret what they mean to each other. And that's essentially what life is on the daily. It's everyone acting out their own different personal insecurities in different ways, and then some of us trying to interpret those and figure out what they actually mean in society. And that's how everyone has all these different traits. And I love how it gets to that point. It gets in there. It makes you connect in different ways. I connected some elements really strongly as I think I do in a lot of these films for various reasons but it got to that it was cutting even though it's a simple plot you get a lot of emotion there not just filling you with emotion but it gives you the emotional connection that the character's trying to get and I love that for it and I thought it was that was very powerful that's what I mean it's it's believable yeah Marcus yes well, I think we're going to have to round off now. I think we're going to have to round off. Like, you go on these these long rants and then you realise, oh, that's like, we need to end the podcast now. So uh, hopefully you cleared everything there. But Callum, please, can you touch upon anything that you want to cover yeah. that we haven't yet and then give your overview and mark out a 10, please? I mean, there's nothing really more to say. I mean, I mean other than the fact that, you know, that's thing that I said about the start, you know, does anyone ever really come of age and... The point that you made about them all interpreting their own emotions that they're all trying to figure out who they are in moments of, you know, relative trauma or crisis. And like, you know, trauma and crisis is all on a scale. You know, one person's crisis is another person's trauma. One per, you know, it's a, it. They're all trying to figure it out. Um, I love this genre of movie generally. Um, I'm gonna give it nine out of ten. Um, just because it is awesome. Um. The reason I'm not going to give it 10 out of 10, and I think this is it's a bad reason not to give it 10 out of 10, but I'm going to anyway, um, is because it's not as good as um, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And that's and a bad... And there's always bad. the standard, isn't it? That's, that's a the bad, gold it's, standard. It's, it's, a, it's a bad thing to sort of do to compare one movie to others that have preceded it. Did it precede it? Did this come before? Perks I'm not sure. Wallflower? This was 2016. I'm not sure what year. Ooh, let me just Perks do was. it. Very similar time, though. Yeah. I mean... Have a, have a little look on the old internet now. Uh, so 2012. 2012 was Perks being okay. a Wallflower. Okay, so did. you're Whew, correct. Saved. Saved. Otherwise, my otherwise my analysis would have made no sense, and I would have said, right, well, this is the one, and Perks being a Wallflower was <laughs> You'd things. had to backtrack. I would have had to backtrack, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a bad thing, though, isn't it? That you're always comparing one film to another, but I think... Um, for me, yeah, you know what? I'm not even going to try and analyze it. I'm just—it's just not as good as Perks of Being a Wallflower, and that's why I'm giving it an out of But at the same time, I still love this movie. You know, it's—it's it's, you know, it's emotionally driven. It's character driven. You know, it's more than just a coming of age. It's a movie about you know your identity and what that looks like and how it manifests and how people view it and how you interpret it. I think it's a really powerful piece of writing from a bunch of really talented um people. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Callum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Appreciated all that, Callum, and I well on board that. I thought it was a fantastic film. I'd say my only drawbacks for what's going to get the top scores for me is that 
I know we said that it's not plot isn't the main thing in this, but objectively looking at it, you do have to suspend some elements of um, <laughs> your longing for completion in a plot because there are things that kind of just happen. For example, uh, the bit where she uh, gets off with the guy in the car and that interchange. Like, There's a lot going on there and a lot to unpack and deal with, but it kind of just then gets thrown away and then we, we can continue in the rest of the plot. And then there's other elements of within the, the interactions, the relationships, where you think you could go more into that and plot points happen without much extra consequence or continuation of what's happened so i think objectively if you're not getting the emotional element from the film then the plot sometimes is a little bit light in what it offers but as i've said i don't think that's the most important thing i just think it serves as a vehicle to quite simply move along this internal exploration of the main character also looking for her Longing for connection, exploring internal anxieties and also the other characters trying to interpret their own insecurities and emotions and how we all as people act out ourselves in life, how how people become the person they are on day to day, who they really are and what that means against the internal, against the external. And I think without overcomplicating it, this film gives you an insight into an emotional connection between some characters, a very specific internal exploration of the main character, and you start feeling emotional connections and giving you a bit of an opportunity to have an internal exploration of the back of what they do in the film. Love the genre. I'm always going to be skewed towards this because I always feel like I connect with it really well, but I think you get a lot from a film like this without having to throw too much at it. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I also agree it's not as good as Perks of a Wallflower, <laughs> but that's been just put up on a shelf for us now to look up and uh, uh, in awe, look at it in awe. But this was fantastic. We'll definitely be watching this again and thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, there we go, Callum. First review of the series a great one to start with we always love throwing a a film like this into the mix of giving us something nice and satisfying to dig our teeth into Mm. dive into the emotional elements in this one and definitely delivered so very chuffed with that and thank you for starting the new series with me so strongly i look forward to all the other conversations we're going to have over the coming months no problem absolutely i am yeah all good let's get let's let's uh let's usher in a new season Let's do it. Let's, Let's do it. Let's. Well, that's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for diving into this first episode of the new series. As we mentioned, there's plenty more episodes to come. Callum will be here. Of course he will. We've got loads of films we'll be diving into. But we've got more exciting conversation episodes lined up. There were some brilliant conversation episodes last series. If you've not checked those out already, get back there. There's some brilliant ones there going out, having a chat with people in all sorts of different creative areas of film video tv we love chatting about all those areas so of course those conversations are always enjoyable but plenty more lined up over the coming weeks and months if you haven't already follow us on instagram at the glass a film club we're always sharing little photos from our outings there videos behind the scenes of the filming of the podcast and updates on all the latest episode releases and of course, any podcast won't be complete if we didn't ask you to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
all those five stars filled up would be fantastic. Always helps us getting it out there. So we want more of those people to come and join the film club and share this conversation. And if you have got any films you'd like to hear us chat about or guests you'd like us to reach out to, to chat with, just get in touch via Instagram or leave us a review telling us what you want to hear. We love engaging in those conversations with the listeners. So do not fear dropping us a message. But that's that. Thank you for listening. Keep watching films yourself. Keep listening to our episodes. We've got a huge back catalogue to go through if you've not already listened to them. But until next time, that was another episode of the Glass A Film Club podcast. We'll see you all later.